Hey guys, welcome to the Improvement Podcast, where the mission is to help young men develop their character, identity, and mindset in order to activate their potential and achieve their goals in life. So on today's episode, we have on another special guest. His name is Jason McCleary, and he is the host of the Epic Dad Podcast. Thank you for coming to the show, Jason. Hey, Kamani. Thanks a lot for having me on. I, I greatly appreciate it. Honor to be here. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. And yeah, so uh, just to give the listeners a little bit more background information about you, could you tell them more about what you do? Yeah, certainly. First and foremost, sorry, putting the dog out. <laughs> <laughs> um, first and foremost, I'm, I'm a father of three kids and a husband. I've been married for going on 17 years now. So um, yeah, that's that's my number one thing in life is, is being a, a family man and parent. But uh, on top of that, like you mentioned, I, I host the Epic Dad podcast, which is a, a podcast dedicated to help dads uh, become better husbands, fathers, and you know all around epic human beings. And uh, I also coach dads on uh, the same kind of things, helping them to bring out the best selves, uh, bring out their best selves as far as it comes to their marriage and and their personal development. So yeah, that's that's the long and the short of it. Hey, it's definitely needed. I would say in society <laughs> today. And um, to add some uh, context to this next question I'm about to ask you, I'll kind of give you an idea of why I got into my space. And so, you know, these were things that, well, for most of the stuff that I talk about on the show, these are things that I struggled with and needed a lot of help with and had to learn the hard way. And so seeing the importance of going through these lessons, developing character, identity and mindset, that was what motivated me to not only learn the stuff, but then to share the knowledge that I was gaining with yeah. other people to save them some of that those hard knocks, I guess you can say. And so my question for you is, what would you say it was about your journey being a dad or just maybe your own personal development that led you to take that route to do this sort of work? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I worked in corporate, you know, corporate America, kind of the cubicle jockey for 15 plus years. And, and, you know, every day be kind uh, as we record this tomorrow's Groundhog's Day. And so, you know, every, every day we kind of became Groundhog's Day, whereas you know, I'd wake up in the morning and drive like an hour to work and do work that I wasn't really fulfilled with and then drive another hour back home. And by the time I got home, I was exhausted and, you know, I'd have to make dinner and get the kids ready for bed. Wouldn't really have time for my, my wife and, and those kind of things, and then fall asleep and, and just do it all back over again the next day. And it really got me thinking, how can I be a little bit more intentional with my life and how can I you know, dedicate something that's going to be a little bit more fulfilling, plus show my kids that there is another way than necessarily just working for, you know, the, the corporate America and doing your nine to five and, and working to get paid or living to get to work instead of, you know, working to live kind of thing. And so I, I started looking at ways to be, like I said, a lot more intentional with my parenting, with my marriage for sure. And then also with just my own personal development and how can I become the best version of myself? Uh, a lot of that started with my health journey. I, I was, you know, not super overweight, um, but definitely had a few extra pounds, the dad bod plus, as I usually, usually called it. <laughs> and then, you know, um, I took that journey that becoming, um, you know, more healthy and creating these habits and these intentions and pulled that all into the rest of my life and the identity that I created for myself as far as, 
you know, what I wanted to be as a father and as a husband and just as a, a person to show up in, in the world uh, as it is right now. So I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that story that you told, even myself, where uh, that was one of the major factors that led to me looking for something else to do outside of work. Because yeah. for, for 22 years, uh, my parents were telling me, hey, go to school, yeah. make good grades, yeah. get into a good college, uh, get your degree so you can get a good job, house, family, and then do that same job for the next 30 years and retire. Yeah. And I mean, it pays the bills, but, you know, from <laughs> doing the work uh, just in like the first three months, uh, I realized I wasn't going to gain fulfillment from the corporate job that I was doing. You know, company is great. People are great and everything. But as far as the work itself, honestly, I don't think anybody can tell me that they they're passionate about making spreadsheets and and that sort of thing and like reporting financials and all that. So uh, I guess I it was really probably too much to expect, but it was really just my own ignorance of how life works. that led to me having an expectation uh, and then probably coming from a scarcity mindset, too, with that influence yeah. from my parents, because, yeah. you know, neither of them uh, were like were professionals. Uh, coming out. And especially my dad had a lot of struggles when it came to uh, different careers. And so not having that stability was something that made me think that's the way that's like the pinnacle of life, I guess you could say, yeah. for a normal person like like me, quote unquote, to have a, a steady paying job with a retirement and a, and a pension, that, that sort of thing. And so I can definitely relate to that. And something else that um, also popped into my head Whenever you're talking about the identity portion, which is um, something I can I can see affecting me in this whole process is the way that you see yourself and how we would tie like our, our career and that status that comes from your career into that identity that you build for yourself, how you uh, place yourself into the world. And that can make it pretty tough, especially whenever you start doing this, uh, this inner work and you start to maybe get some negative pushback from other people. And so one thing I like yeah. to ask you is what was that process like for you? What are some uh, some lessons that's really stand out to you that came from that process? Yeah, for me, I, you know, I, I got to thinking about like, I, I don't know if I ever up until the, I don't know, maybe five years ago, I never even thought about what, what I could change as far as my identity goes, right? It's just like, oh, that's who I am. It's, it's must be, it is, I you know, you know, I, I was the first of my immediate family to graduate college. Um, so I was kind of the same way. I thought I'll, I'll go into corporate America. I'll be steady job. Both my parents had, you know, the same, they worked in the same position, not the same position, same company, uh, for 40 plus years. And, you know, so they had that stability, but for me, as I was in there, I'm like, this, this isn't me, but I, I feel very out of my skin in, in this environment. And so the whole idea of creating my identity, was something that was very foreign to me until, like I said, about five or six years ago. And, and I started looking into like Tony Robbins and all these self-development kind of, um, you know, books and, and podcasts and those kind of things. And so I just started thinking, what would it be like if I wanted to create a identity? Like, what does that identity look like? You know, I joke, I, I was kind of thinking of the, uh, you know, Jason Bourne and, and trying to change my identity there, but <laughs> I'm like, but no, I'm not, not creating any go bags or multiple passports or anything like that. It's just, I just wanted to sit down and actually did. I, I, I took out a book, you know, a journal and wrote down all of the, the pillars that I find important in my life. So, you know, physical health, mental health, marriage, parenting, uh, career, those kind of things. And I just wrote down, you know, 
regardless of what everything is in this situation is as of today, you know, okay, you're married, you're, you have three kids. That's the only thing that's really going to be a constant. What do we want our, you know, what do I want my life to actually look like in these pillars? And so I wrote down an identity statement of, I am, you know, whatever, I am a healthy individual who, um, likes to go running. And, you know, this is definitely not something that I was at this point, right. I was very much a couch potato and sat around, play video games all day and, and, you know, and then hung out with the kids and when I could, but, you know, I, I, there was a part of me that looked at what I considered my identity in the past and was like, well, I can't do that because I'm, I, I've always done this. And, I had to, to kind of put that away and just say, okay, if I'm starting from scratch, what kind of person do I want to be? And I wrote down that, that statement for myself and then took a look at, okay, now if I want to become that kind of person, what are the habits that I need to put into play to, you know, consider myself that kind of person? What does that kind of person do on a daily basis, on a monthly basis, you know, weekly basis, whatever it might be. So, you know, health is always the easiest thing to kind of, uh, I guess, give examples of, but you know, if, if you're want to be a healthy person, then you're obviously not going to be sitting around playing video games all the time and eating junk food. You know, there's, um, you know, an exercise kind of, uh, habit that you need to build and eating healthy foods, uh, you know, habit that you need to build. And so just creating that for each of my kind of pillars of life, as I say, um, you know, and, and putting those habits into place has really turned around a lot of, you know, all the things that I thought either, either I thought were important to me and weren't, or I thought were holding me back and were, weren't really holding me back. It was all like a mental game. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. And so there are a few things that are pretty interesting in that, that I like to talk about. Yeah. And so one of them, you mentioned how you had to kind of start off and just really brainstorm and get an idea of who exactly this person was that you wanted to be. And I think that's a very key point that you made, because I feel like a lot of people are in the mindset that the person that you are is just stagnant and yeah. everyone else just kind of has to deal with that. And you have to deal with that for the rest of your life <laughs> when really that's not the case, whoever you want to be, that's, who you can decide to be. You just have to make sure that your actions uh, and values align with that. Yeah. And that's something that you were pretty much just talking about where how you weren't a runner before. And I listened to one of your episodes and if I'm correct, you run half marathons now, right? Or that's like a goal I, for this I upcoming year. I signed up for my, my first half marathon in uh, just under two months. So yeah, that'll be uh, interesting. I have never actually run uh, an actual race before, but, mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I really got into running uh, this last year it was, it was one of the the kind of things that I, I put together. And it's, and it's funny because when I started working with my, my coach, um, for that, one of the first things in my application was like, I'm not a runner. Don't ask me to run. I will lift weights, whatever you want me to do, but I'm not going to run. And then like maybe a month later, I'm like, Hey, you know, I just started running. Can we incorporate that into my training too? Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was, yeah. Interesting. But yeah, I, I think it is interesting because you, you do have to, um, you know, like I said, you kind of put aside what you have done in the past. And it's, it's hard too, especially when you're, you're married and have kids because, or even have like a, a pretty close knit friend group because they, you see, how should I put this? They, you have a, a way that you think they see you. And if you try to change that, you, 
may have this kind of fear that, okay, if I change who I, who they think I am, is that going to push them away? I mean, especially if you're talking to a spouse or, or, or something like that, right? You, you know, suddenly I want to be, you know, better at physical health and, and I want to do a lot more stuff as far as personal development goes. So I do a lot of, you know, journaling and writing and those kind of things. And, and that's not something that I've done in the past. It might take away time from, you know, your, your significant other or your friend groups or, or whatever. Is that going to cause more friction, you know? So that's something you have to kind of work through as you're trying to figure out who you want to be. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I guess one bonus to that when it comes to maybe having some of that friction with the people around you is that it kind of really gives you an idea of who exactly is invested in yeah. your best interest and, and who yeah. isn't. Because the thing is that these new habits that you're taking on are positive if they're good for you, if they're improving your quality of life and the people around you have an issue with that, you know, it may be time to kind of reconsider uh, who these yeah. people are that, that you call your friends. And so yeah. if anything, I would say that's probably a plus that can come from at least on like the friend side, but, and I'm not married or anything, but I can definitely say how that could be a challenge in your marriage. If, uh, you know, this person that she married is no longer that person that she's married to. If you um, are making all these changes, doing different things, developing different habits. Yeah. I, I, uh, I did a, a, I Instagram reel about this a few weeks ago is, you know, are you, to me, you know, I wake up, like I said, we've been married almost 17 years now. We've been together little, almost 18. And so I'm obviously not the same person that I was, you know, 18 years ago, neither is she, but we've been able to find a way to grow together and really support each other in that route. But, but it's interesting too, because there's, you know, there's a time when I, I, I always get up early anyway, but I never made time for myself to go work out or go for a walk or, or whatever. And I was telling myself in my head that I was doing that for my family. Like every time I left the, you know, if I left and go for a walk or something, the dogs might bark and wake everybody up. And then, um, you know, everybody else is in the house. So I just be like, well, I'll stay home and, and I'll, you know, take care of the dogs and let them sleep. And then, oh, after work, I'm too tired. I don't want to work or I don't want to work out. I don't want to do those kind of things, you know, so I'll make dinner for the family and then, you know, get the kids ready for bed and, and kind of feel like I'm almost give myself as up as a martyr. Right. And when I, when I came to my wife with, you know, kind of what I want to do, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm really unhappy with my, my health. And this is what I want. She's like, of course, that's what we need to do to support you. It was, it was very, very, um, you know, heartwarming to get that kind of support from, from someone so close to you who, you know, you make up these stories in your head that you thought were going to be like this torturous conversation. And it's really like, no, that's what we need to do. Let's do it. Let's figure out a way to make it happen. We're on the same team. Let's play as a doubles. Right. And, and so, yeah, those conversations are, have been interesting to, um, kind of bring out into either a couple or, you know, or, or even like I said, a friend's group would be, uh, the same kind of situation. So So that's wonderful. And something I like to ask about that. I like to get your opinion on something. You talked about both of you being in like a growth mindset, you could say where, uh, it's the expectation for you to be different over time and to constantly be improving. And, at least an idea that I have, you know, this is why I'm asking you because you're the married guy. And (laughs) an idea that I have is that maybe a lot of reason, 
maybe a lot of the reasons why marriages are failing now at a higher rate. I think like what the divorce rates, like 50, 55% or something like that. Yeah. I would imagine at least a good part of it is that there isn't that mutual commitment to grow and be a better person every day. Would you agree? Yeah, I think that's definitely part of it. I think uh, I was just having this conversation um, the other day is like the, not only that, but I think the communications um, when, when you first get married, I, I kind of liken it to, you have a different language. You're speaking, you're still, you know, you're both speaking the same language, hopefully, but you have this, <laughs> you know, different way of communicating and um, yeah, you're, you're kind of learning each other's language every day and how everything changes. But yeah, I think if, if you don't have a partner that's it, it, well, I should say, if you're in the mindset that you want to grow and your partner's not in that mindset, I, I think it, it would be very difficult to, to have a, a really meaningful relationship in that way. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm one, my parents been married for the, the 50, 50th anniversary this year. My wife's parents have been married for 46, I believe it is. So, you know, we were both kind of raised in that communication was really important um, to kind of overload, over, over work over the the problems and those kind of things and, and grow together, like I said. But if one isn't willing to grow, I think that is that does cause a lot of friction. And, you know, the one who is willing to grow is kind of set at a point of, well, I'm going to do these things. I'd love for you to come along, but I'm just going to go without you if not. And, and you know, and I hate to say that because I'm very much a proponent of making things work, but I think there is a point where there it just there is something that that can't, you know, the values are not aligned in that situation. It's interesting because, and I don't know if this is like a more modern thing, but it seems like there really isn't just as much incentive for uh, people to really have their growth mindset. And what I mean by that is this, it seems as though a lot of people look at, uh, at like marriage or relationships as like very transactional, or maybe I'll say at potential partners or their partner is interchangeable. Yeah. And it seems like a lot of people are very uh, self-serving when it comes to, you know, how they move about getting into a relationship and then how they interact once they're in it. And so it seems like what a lot of people will do is instead of uh, staying in it and being committed and developing that uh, that type of connection to where you would want to grow for the sake of your your partner to be able to help them and to have a better connection, it seems like a lot of people just think that they're better off just leaving that person and going to find somebody else's if it's going to get better. And yeah. what I would assume is that, you know, if you're not willing to give or compromise, and if you don't have any actual commitment to a person, if you don't see any sort of unique value in them that makes you want to ride with them for the long run, I would imagine that no relationship would work for you. Is that something that you would agree with? Or what is your take on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think, I don't think love is enough for, for marriage, right? It, it's essential, but it's not enough. It's, you know, it, it's a lot of work to, to put in to say, you know, I, I, I tell my wife this occasionally, like I, I choose her every day. Like I choose to be with her every day. And, and could I leave? I, I guess probably, right? Technically, yes. There's always that choice to leave. But every day, any problem that can come across, I, I am committed to 
working with her to fix whatever issue is going on or, or whatever it might be. So I, I think if you're not willing to make a change yourself or to um, kind of make those compromises, like you said, it, there's, there does seem to be a lack of, of that compromise ability. Like I want what I want and that's all there is to it. You know, I, I'm in a lot of dad groups on, on Facebook and stuff like that. And it, it's, it, it kills me every time I jump in there just to see like, you know, one guy will, will mention, Hey, I'm having this particular problem. And the immediate response is just leave her, man, just leave her. It's, it's not worth it. And, and I'm like, you know, you obviously saw something in her to marry her, you know, and, and at least say you wanted to spend the rest of your life with her. Isn't it worth taking a little bit of extra time, a little bit of extra work to build this relationship. Cause I can tell you, man, like I said, almost 18 years, there is no one in this world that I'd rather be next to. And I know that anytime that an issue comes up, we're on the same team and we're going to have each other's backs. We're going to stand side by side. And that's, that's worth a lot. Like it's really hard to find that kind of that love, that commitment these days. And if you do, it's definitely worth putting in you know, just a little bit of work just to make, make little things. And, and the, I, the, the things that people complain about on Facebook are so minuscule and, you know, the overall scheme of things that, you know, it just, I don't know it, for me, it's very difficult to, to hear those complaints and then just be like, okay, I can definitely see, did you have a conversation with her? Well, no, there you go. Step one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. From, from what you're saying, it pretty much makes me think that a lot of people just have unrealistic expectations of how a relationship is supposed to go. And something that I gathered from the story that you told about you and your wife is that it seems like both of you uh, had great examples of how a relationship should go just due to the fact that your both of your parents have been together for so long. And, you know, unfortunately, most of us aren't really blessed to have that same type of situation. And so to ask you for some, some advice or maybe some insight from looking at that, what would you say were the uh, the main traits or if you just wanted to pick one main one that you think your parents embodied mm-hmm. that made it to where uh, their marriage could last that long and set such a great example for yours? Yeah. Well, I think there's a few things that, that uh, I learned from my, my parents. Um, and I, I did a, I did an episode uh, of my podcast several weeks, probably a couple of months ago now about what I learned from my dad. And one of those biggest things that I've learned from him was, you know, how to show love without, without actually saying the words. Um, cause he didn't say, I love you a lot to me, or at least I can't remember those words exactly, but I knew like by the actions that he did, the things that he, you know, said to other people outside of the family, you know, I knew he did. And he did the same with my, my mom as well. You know, there, he was always very affectionate with her. Um, there wasn't a lot of like kind of teasing at her expense, those kind of things. Right. It was, it was very much a supportive relationship. Um, and still is. And I, I think that's the biggest part of, of that. And then just being always being there. And, and I know they say that, you know, never go to bed angry. Uh, I have not necessarily found that to be the case because sometimes you're just tired and it just makes it a lot worse if you keep going. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I think those are the, the biggest things. What I've learned outside of, of my parents is kind of the idea of radical generosity. Um, 
you know, I don't think marriage or, or almost any relationship really should be a, a kind of 50, 50 thing. You know, I'm always looking for some small way to just go above and beyond, you know, I'll randomly show up with flowers or, you know, bring our coffee in the morning or, or, or something along those lines. And, and the same kind of thing with, with her, she'll, you know, set out my, um, clothes sometimes if she knows there's a big event going on. Cause I do not like to dress myself and not a fashionable person. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, there's just the little things that just show that you're thinking of them, that they care, uh, all those little things like that. So from what it sounds like, just having like a, a servant mindset, looking for ways that you yeah. can serve other people instead of yeah, necessarily exactly. always focusing on what they can do for you. Yeah. It seems as though it makes it to where it can even put other people in that type of mindset when they see you taking on that sort of energy. And it makes it to where things are just better all around whenever we're looking to serve and say, what can I do to brighten yeah. this person's day or to make this person feel better? What would be considerate in this moment? Uh, you know, for to their feelings, it seems like taking that type of approach makes it to where everybody kind of gets on board and gives the people within the house what they need. Yeah, that's a that's a great way to say it. I, I think it's important too to, um, you know, allow your kids to see you doing these things because then they start to get the you know learn from you as example. Same with, um, you know, if if you grew up seeing that your, your dad was always, you know, doting on your mom and same thing, you know, they're, they were serving each other and serving the family, then obviously you're going to try and bring that to the world as well. Uh, and not just relationships, but like your, your work and your, um, just interacting with everyday, you know, the, the guy at the grocery store or whatever. Um, I think all these little things that you are kind of mirroring and, and, um, you know, modeling for your children will easily spread out into the rest of the world. If you're just kind of bringing your values to them, you know, and showing what you're doing rather than just telling them, you know, what those values are. So leading by example too. Yeah. I love that because one thing that I feel like is a really big issue for a lot of parents is expecting more of their kids than what they're actually doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's rough too. I mean, we definitely want, you know, your kids to have a better life than you, even if you had a great life, you know, you, you want them to keep growing. And it is, <laughs> it's also difficult to say, you know, I, I made this mistake. I'm going to tell you how to not make that mistake. And then they just kind of ignore you anyway. <laughs> <and> say, <laughs> All right, old man, I can deal with this. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it is, they do get it. I, I think, I, I mean, looking back at, at when I was a kid, I, I definitely understood the values that my family had. And even though they weren't necessarily spoken about, uh, you know, like how to be a good neighbor. My dad was always, you know, fixing the neighbor's lawnmower or offering to cut the grass or, or whatever, right. Just trying to be helpful to, to people. And so I've tried to, you know, instill that upon my kids as well, not just within, you know, being a servant to, you know, the greater community, but also within the household as well. And like even putting your dishes away is doing something to serve the family. So, um, you know, just those little things that you're, you're trying to, to model for them. All right. And one question I have to follow up is, um, 
I'm assuming that you've kind of developed an eye for for these sorts of things, or I mean, I, I guess I'll ask and, and see. If this is something that you notice, but um, from seeing uh, what your experience was like growing up, and then also you know seeing the development of your kids as they're getting older and older, would you say that there are some uh, glaring differences you can see in other children where you know they might not have the same type of positive influences in their household? If so, what would you say some of those things are that you've noticed? Yeah. That's, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think all parenting, all parents have different styles of parenting, which, you know, is, is I guess good and bad, right? Like, mm-hmm. obviously I don't necessarily want to say my, my way is the best way. It's the best way for our family, I think, but you know, maybe it doesn't work for, for others. Um, I think it's, I do think all our kids are a little bit more sheltered now than they used to be. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, we would just ride around town and whoever's house had the most bikes in front of it. That's where we stop and play. Right. And a, I grew up in a very small town, so that's, that's <laughs> one thing, but, um, you know, and now kids, and I see this cause I, my oldest is, is 15 and I kind of see this in her that she'll gravitate toward people that are sort of like her, like not, I'm not talking about like diversity, but like way of thinking, right. This, the psychos, uh, analysis or people or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, and so they don't necessarily have the same conversations about different types of, uh, experiences, uh, with, with some. So, you know, my hope is that I can, I can kind of lead her into, creating those spaces for those conversations rather than, you know, waiting for them to happen, um, which I think is starting to happen. Um, but yeah, I think that's one of the things that, that we're kind of missing. We, we are, it's, it's very weird. We are the most, uh, connected, uh, you know, electronically, globally, whatever, but everybody seems to be more, um, moving into their own ways and beliefs uh, than we've ever been in the past. You know, they, they seek out the same political spectrum, the same, you know, ideologies or whatever, instead of trying to gather those different perspectives from, from all parts of life. Um, and I think that's really missing right now. That's interesting. I've actually never thought about it that way before, because I guess going down the same line of thought, if you go back to like, let's say like the sixties or the seventies, something like that, you're pretty much having to just deal with whoever is around you. But yeah. now you can always find some way to get around people that are like-minded and can put you in an echo chamber to only yeah. be around ideas that you agree with. But let's say back in the day, you know, you, you pretty much have to deal with people actually talk to their neighbors back in the day. So you had, <laughs> you had to deal with that neighbor that had different political views. Yeah, uh, exactly. People, people in the office, they probably didn't mind sharing their political views back then, as opposed to maybe now where that could be, you know, something a little bit more challenging yeah. uh, as far as um, different groups that you might join or different activities that you might go to. Uh, it's bound to have a more diverse group of people just because it's not nearly as vetted as things are today, where yeah. you could say for the most part, most people are only hanging out with people who have similar political views, probably similar skin color too, that sort of thing. And so that is something that's pretty interesting to think about. And I think that's definitely to the detriment of uh, the development of people socially, at least because 
it seems like a lot of people don't really have the ability to be able to, I guess, cope with that or deal with somebody not aligning with them, you know, because people get very aggressive verbally and sometimes even physically (laughs) over that type of stuff. And you can see this on Facebook and all that, the arguments that'll pop up on there. Yeah, I think I think things like Facebook and, and a lot of social media has made that a lot more, you know, prevalent. Um, but like you said, if you're if you're in the community, generally speaking, you can have those conversations. Generally speaking, obviously, <laughs> um, it, to me, like like I said, I grew up in a very small town. It was you know three thousand people, cornfields all around. The next you know the closest movie theater was. 45 minutes away. So, you know, we were kind of forced to be in this, uh, you know, I had 60 people in my, my graduating class and, you know, while it was very homogenous as far as ethnic, um, diversity goes, you know, there was pretty, there was a good mix of ideologies, at least, uh, within that, that I got a lot of that I could take to, you know, when I went to college and and finally got, uh, around a lot more of a, uh, ethnically diverse people, um, you know, I could bring a lot of those ideologies in and, and gain from Hugh, you know, gain from him, gain from her, gain all these different knowledges and pieces that, that fit. And, um, you know, I, I think I wasn't searching out, well, who, who already thinks like me, you know, who's already pushing my feed of the same stuff that I, I agree with, I like, and, and all that kind of stuff. It's, it was just more of a, let's have this interesting conversation and, and see what goes on. And I'll say one benefit to how things are now is that for the ones that are aware, you know, that they might be biased to only be around the same type of people uh, with how interconnected everything is. Now it gives you the opportunity to be able to combat yeah, that. I would say in a, in a much easier manner than maybe there was in the past, because, you know, I know something that I intentionally do is go seek out different groups that I can join to get around different types of people to kind of broaden my perspective, I guess you could say, you know, as far as um, what I'm familiar with. And then also hear um, opinions that might be different from mine. Cause one thing I'll say, and it kind of goes back to the identity thing. uh, This is at least a take that, that I have on it. I've made, I've tried to make it a point to align myself more with values instead of like ideas or groups. And so that way, let's say I get into a conversation with somebody that may not align with me politically or culturally, they may be able to offer some points that I haven't considered due to the fact that, you know, you've been in this echo chamber with other people that believe the same thing you believe and aligning your identity with certain values can make it to a point where you might realize that maybe this perspective is more in alignment with what I value than the one that I had before. And so I would think that it's um, an extremely valuable experience, you know, to be able to have that opportunity to be around people they may not agree with you and can offer a different, um, I guess you say a different perspective on things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a great idea. I, the unfortunate thing is you have to actually, actually, you know, intentionally do that. Right. I think because mm-hmm. you, you're sitting on Facebook, you like something and all of a sudden everything that has to do with that ideology is put in your feed and then, you know, everything else is kind of blocked out. But if, if, yeah, if you're, if you're intentionally going out and seeking to gain, a different perspective and you know everybody has almost like a different reality right because they have different experiences different ways of they grew up different you know um 
things that have happened to them throughout their life. And, and so those kind of color those, you know, those thoughts and those, those identities and, um, you know, everything that they kind of believe, uh, beliefs, if you will. And, and so, yeah, if you're, if you're going out and, and intentionally kind of bringing those opportunities into your, your view, um, I think it's, it's very healthy thing to do. And so speaking of, um, different ideologies and such, uh, I don't know what your uh, personal values are or what you try and pass upon your kids in your house. But one question I'd like to ask is, uh, have you ever been put in a spot where you were like maybe something that you were teaching your kids or maybe some type of like cultural or like maybe even religious thing that was the standard in your home was challenged by somebody on the outside and your kids came home with that? You know, that's, that's actually a good question. We, I think we've always been pretty open with, with everything. Um, my whole family, at least the, you know, the nucleus of, of the five of us in the house have tried to be as open-minded and open to new experiences and new ways of thinking uh, as possible. I can't think of anything that's really like thrown us to, you know, this is, this is completely against anything we, we believe or anything like that. I don't, you know, I think the only thing that could really do that is, is if someone's coming from a, um, an angle of hate, if there's any thought or belief that somebody were to try and bring into our family that came from hate for one person or another or a group or whatever, I think that would be the most challenging thing for us. Um, because, you know, for me, if you are open to, if you're open to believing that someone is coming to you or coming to add a problem with love and concern, then there's always conversations that can be had. But if someone's coming to you at, with hate and fear, it's, it's impossible to have that conversation and actually be, you know, come to a, a, a place where there's compromise or change in belief or whatever it might be. But if you're open to compassion, love, empathy, you know, everything is, is a conversation that can be had. It makes sense. I like your viewpoint on that. And um, maybe to add a, a little bit more to the question, more so what I'm getting at, and it might just be because I have a sister that's in high school currently. I just know that maybe a lot of things or maybe like a lot of the ideas that'll be popular among her peers and that, you know, mm -hmm. she might have even taken on herself. I know that they don't always align with uh, what my mom, or what my stepdad uh, think. And so, of course, that can create different challenges where you have conversations about that sort of thing. I know going back home for the holidays and hearing them go back and forth and talk about different things. It was always interesting, but it just really made me think how um, that can when you're a parent, that could definitely be something that you're concerned about. Yeah. It's, there's definitely, there's definitely conversations that have been had with my, you know, my teenager and, and our, our family that may not go over as well with like the next generation up, like my parents, my wife's parents, those have been interesting things to try and navigate for sure. Um, you know, part of it is, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm 
dancing around this a little bit because it's not my story to tell. Right. It is kind of where we're going. Um, but you know, part of it is the, the, I think, I think kids right now, uh, or, or this generation of high school kids are a lot more open to, you know, different lifestyles and those kind of things. Like I can't remember anyone in my high school, again, this was 20 some years ago who was openly gay. And I, I know at least a good half a dozen to a dozen of my daughter's friends who are. Um, and so that those conversations weren't had when I was a kid, you know, whereas if they were to have those conversations with my parents, they'd be open to them, but not as not as open or I guess understanding or just they just don't have that that experience. Um you know, as, as my, my teenagers do. So, you know, that's one thing that kind of, um, you know, comes to mind. Okay. Yeah. So that was more so on the lines of, of what I was getting at. So, uh, I can see how, um, I can see what you're saying about how it'd be so much different having that type of conversation with your yeah. parents and then you having that now. And so I guess one good thing about it is that, you know, despite whatever it is that, might be different or whether people agree or don't it seems like you guys have a uh i guess like a strong working relationship together where there's a lot of trust uh between you and your kids and your wife to where you guys can have those types of conversations and uh your perspective is something that's considered and respected yeah i hope so i mean i i, I hope to be that kind of dad that you know it can they can come to no matter what what issues are going on you know i hope that hope my daughter and, and well, both my daughters and my son will eventually when they get into, you know, bad situations, maybe they're at a, a party drinking or something that they know that they can call me and, and come save them, if you will, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, and, and not fear me. I, I don't want them to fear me. I want them to know that I, I love them and I, you know, no matter what happens, there will always be love there and maybe you make bad decisions, but you know, that doesn't mean I don't love you. And that doesn't mean I'm not going to be there to support you and be there to catch you if, if something were to happen. So yeah, I hope, I hope to be that kind of dad. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's great. And, you know, I mean, you have to aspire for it, you know, for it to even be possible to be that yeah. sort of dad. It seems like that's what you're doing just through the content you're making and, uh, you know, the identity work in the direction that you've taken. Yeah, appreciate that. And so I guess one one last question I'll ask you, you know, as far as like, you know, the, the topic at hand is um for the people listening that are fathers now or plan to be fathers in the future, what would you say is um one tip that they should take away that can give them the best chance of being the best father possible? Yeah. <laughs> um patience is big. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the, the biggest thing that I can give as far as advice to dads is just, just be there, let them know that you're there, make sure that they know that you love them, that you trust them. I, I think there's a, the one thing that I, I see out there that I, that kind of makes my stomach turn a little bit is when, you know, the dads are like, well, you know, when a, when a guy comes over to you know, date my daughter or whatever, I'm going to be really, you know, 
tell them, you know, whatever you do to her, I'm going to do to you and, and those kind of things. And like, for me, that just doesn't show respect for your daughter and her choices. Um, and so it's things like that, just, you know, respect is a big one, just letting them know you're there. Um, and, and you're going to mess up and that's okay. And as long as you don't, for me, I, I don't want my kids to think I'm perfect. Like I want them to see my fallacies and that I'm trying to become better um, for a couple of reasons. One, I, I want them to know that I'm human and, and they can talk to me about whatever. And then two, if, if they think I'm perfect and, you know, up sometime in the future, they, they mess up. They think, well, my dad was perfect. What's wrong with me? And, and so I never wanted to think that I want them to know that, you know, nobody's perfect and we're all doing our best with the knowledge that we have and the circumstances that we're given. So, yeah, that's, that's just it. Just patience and, and love. Yeah. Hey, I love it. And uh, one thing you said that kind of laughed at a little bit where you said the dad say, whatever you do to her, I'm going to do to you. I was thinking, man, that's pretty intense. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but anyway, um, the other part that you mentioned about not being afraid to, uh, like to make mistakes and not feeling the need to be perfect. I feel like that's, um, I feel like that's so important because part of just being a mature adult is being able to acknowledge when you're wrong. And yeah. you know, there are always going to be times where, you know, you might make a, a decision where you, that you might regret later down the road and having that maturity, the ability to be able to communicate that to your kids. I feel like that's extremely valuable. And so I respect that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, you know, like, like I said, nobody's perfect. I think, I think you want to teach failure too. Like for, for me, if, if the only way you learn is through failures, right. You're, you're never gonna, well, I should say you learn more through failures than you do from your successes. Uh, cause you learn how not to do it. So for me, you know, I'm trying to learn from, you know, my parents perceive failures just so I can create my own failures for my kids and they can create their own and, and kind of perpetuate the, the, the cycle, if you will. But, um, yeah, just, just, yeah, let them know you're, you're human. All right. And so that pretty much wraps it up. And so for anybody that wants to, uh, find you or find your content, where should they go? Yeah, you can go, uh, the podcast is Epic Dad Podcast. It's on all the, you know, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and, and all that good stuff. Uh, Instagram is epic.dad.coaching. Uh, that's where I spend most of my time um, there. And then LinkedIn, just Jason McCleary. I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn lately too. So yeah, I appreciate the time, man. All right. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate you coming on to the show. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah, you too. All right.